0: You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Joseph Warren, welcome to Real Faith Stories Podcast. It's so great to have you here.
1: Mr. Brian Robinson, the great. I am ready. (laughs)
0: <laughs> the great, huh? Well, that definitely needs to be altered. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Joseph.
1: Sure. Joseph Warren, from originally from the Northeast, New York, Long Island. I grew up a family of six, six kids, three boys, three girls, very Brady bunch, and grew up in a home, a loving home, a Christian home. Uh, my dad was in the Marines, did the Vietnam War, and uh, when he got back, he pursued his faith like any good young man did. He wasn't really raised with practicing faith in his family, so he really wanted to start his family right way. Pursued his denomination, found his truth, and then uh, decided, once he started having babies with my mother, that he was gonna raise us in the Judeo-Christian faith. But he applied his Marine Corps training and Catholicism together and I call that redundancy. There was rules and regulations, we were little soldiers and unfortunately we were raised with one perspective or view of God, not so much focus on God's love and mercy and compassion. So that really was the lens that I started my life out with and unfortunately that led to me rebelling, becoming an atheist, etc and doing the whole prodigal son route. Today praise God. I was that lost sheep. He went out in the darkness and found me. I kicked and screamed the whole way back. But God is persistent and he loves us, each of us. And uh, now I am a spiritual coach, a life coach for Christian business owners who are married with children. I really help them to uh, stop stealing time from God, from their spouse, and from the kids. So it's very relationship-focused. And what i Mind is that most of the clients I work with, they're killing it in business. They make a ton of money, but when they come to me, they're miserable in life. They go home miserable every day. What's the point of having all that money? So we really help them clean up their relationships in their life, starting with God, then their spouse, then their kids, then their friends, etc. So that when they die, they die with no regrets. Because on our deathbed, we're all going to look back on one thing: our relationships. How did we show up in those? So that's what I, I really helped them with.
0: what was one of the biggest things that you had to overcome coming out of the military mindset tied back to your christianity
1: that my performance did not determine how much god loved me
0: that's huge how does that get overcome what was the process you went through to get that off of your life so to speak
1: Well, I'd like to say it was a, you know, a three step strategy because I'm a business guy, but it really wasn't. It was a one drop, one step at a time over a very long process of just resistance Mm. on my end and God's persistence on his end. It was letting go of control Mm -hmm. and uh, allowing God to take it. You know, as I grasp back at it, it's that old song, Jesus, take the wheel. But if I disagree with how you're you're driving i'm gonna yank that thing back so i really had to let go of that and like it's so difficult i think brian for uh many of us christians because i know i'm not the only one that uh, is raised with a performance mindset when it comes to faith in god Mm -hmm. that god only loves us if we perform well no different than a little child with his his dad or her dad dad only loves them if they perform well. And unfortunately, I did have that in my human father relationship. Like when we, and I love my father, right? And, and there's been so much forgiveness and healing that happened. But growing up, dude, like if I messed up and disobeyed like a normal kid kind of just does, my dad would, would withdraw his attention and affection from me. And I would have to come humbly back and beg and plead for dad to spend time with me again and hang out with me. Like I would have to earn his love and affection back. Well, that gave me a very dysfunctional view of God the Father because we project our human father relationship on our heavenly father. Mm -hmm. So I always in my life, like I would mess up constantly. I'm a guy, right? In my life, and I make poor choices and then I, come back to God and just be like, I'm sorry, I'm a screw up. I'm a failure. I know you don't love me, but would you, you know, please forgive me. And eventually over time, you you just get tired of hearing yourself do that. Mm -hmm. And you just say to yourself, you know what? It's easier just to stay away from him and just do your thing. And that's what I did for many years of my life.
0: Was there anything specific that you felt gave you the greatest traction in not being performance-oriented.
1: Yeah, I'll share a quick story. Um, at this time in my life, this was many years ago, I was far away from God. I still went to church on Sundays, but I would say I was not really practicing. It It, it was checking a box. It was obligation. It was to stay out of hell. It mm-hmm. was, <laughs> you know, really, like, if I'm being real about it, that's why I went to church at that time in my life. But I didn't actually believe in God or his love. And then a buddy of mine, a good Baptist brother, uh said, Hey Joseph, we got this uh worship service this Tuesday. Uh, do you want to go Tuesday evening? And I was like, No. Why would I want to go to a worship service on a Tuesday evening? And my buddy knew I was really into girls at that time in my life. And he said, There'll be a hundred pretty girls there and they're single. And I was like, What time? <laughs> he knew how to get me. He knew how to how to speak to my what what i wanted right just like in business you speak to the customer's desires not so much their needs so i I showed up at this uh, christian worship service and everyone's waving their hands in the air right and they're doing the, the worship music and it was really different and uh cool i guess and then the guest speaker that night was a billionaire well, that got my attention because I'm a business guy, an entrepreneur my whole life. And I'm like, this guy's a billionaire with a B? Okay, I'm going to listen. And he just started sharing his story of surrender to God and how he used to just really do business and life to glorify himself. And now everything shifted. And now he was out to glorify God. And I was like, what the heck is this guy talking about? And I didn't know you can combine your faith into your business. That was foreign conversation to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so afterwards, we I went over to him, and I just felt compelled to speak with him. And he said, why don't you join my young men's uh, Bible study group, and, and we'll talk more. And so I did. And in that, I learned the spiritual discipline of guided listening prayer, GLP. And I had never heard that before. And, and he and some others, um, these good Baptist men, taught me how to uh, get quiet with God, to block out time in my calendar, to sit in silence with my heavenly father, um, and to just listen with a journal and a pen in my hand, a pen and paper, and just ask a question to God, mm-hmm. like I would to a person, like you're doing right now, interviewing me. It was like almost I was interviewing God. And that was different, And but I tried it, and uh, it took about two weeks of just misery And an hour a day, I invested for two weeks, and slowly I started to hear the quiet whisper of my Heavenly Father. Mm. And that changed everything. And to answer your original question, was it this drip process? Yes, it was. It was an hour a day of me investing my time into relationship with God that I had never done before. Mm -hmm. It was always God pursuing me. It was never me pursuing God. And when I sat there and blocked out that time and and waited on God and listened to God and asked him a question and just listened and recorded like a professional interview, just record the answer. Don't interrupt. He started to speak in a very paternal way and it wasn't a loud joseph i am your father it wasn't like you know uh-huh. a star wars um but it was more my son my child and he just kept referring to me in these these terms and i was eventually like like father like why do you keep speaking to me like i'm some little girl like very almost female energy type terms i'm a man you know i'm a grown man and i realized what he was doing he was filling in all the gaps of my childhood that I missed out on, you know, cause my dad's a good man. He's a solid man. He loved me, but he didn't, sh- he, he didn't outwardly express it because that's not what he did in his generation. Men didn't show vulnerability. Men didn't show that, that female energy that we all have. They didn't come over and just love on you and forgive on you. It was very performance based. Do good. And then I love you. Do bad and and you need to earn it back and so so God just showed up every day and said I love you regardless of your mess ups yeah I love you you're mine you're my child you're my son that was so different for me brother and it, and it, it was I sat in that hour a day for eight months eight months eight months and God just poured His love back into my very broken heart and hurt and that's how dysfunctional I was. It took eight months for God to heal me.
0: So eight months of an hour a day with a pen and a journal listening.
1: Yes. That's the secret recipe. And and for others it may be it may be one month. Because most likely you're not as dysfunctional as I am.
0: <laughs> I was definitely in your camp. I totally get that Joseph. And that's one of my most favorite things to do is sit quietly and just listen. It's very powerful.
1: But you know they don't teach this. They don't. I wasn't taught this in, in my Christian upbringing. And it's a shame because I think we're robbing um, generations of God's children from, how, from teaching them how to pursue relationship with God versus uh, just learning more about the concept of God. Mm-hmm. And this is what we get, I think, a lot from the pulpits. Uh, Pastors, regardless of denomination, I've been on all sides. I go to my Protestant buddies' churches. I go to the Catholic churches. and, And it's the same across the board. It's like these pastors are talking about the concept of God, and we're reading Scripture, and we're learning about God, but nobody's teaching us how to get to know God. We know of Him, but we don't actually know Him. Why? Because relationship is time spent with another. And we refuse to spend time with him in silence and shut the bleep up and stop telling God what we think about him or what we think we should do in our life because we're all little control freaks. And instead, just listen humbly and just wait on him and let him speak his love, his truth, his destiny, his purpose into our lives.
0: There's so much surrounding the concept of, quote, quiet time where it's not quiet whatsoever. It's performance. It's you do these three things, and that's your time connecting with the Lord. And this totally derails, for the most part, the whole concept of you go through your three little things. No, you sit, like you said, in developing relationship by being still and listening. And when you pray, you've heard it said, as well as I have, that prayer is a dialogue. It's not a one-way thing. Well, it's impossible to have dialogue when you're constantly asking for stuff. So to your point, you also mentioned just a moment ago, we're all little control freaks. I think that's a incredible statement, which brings me to something that happened to you in 2018, something very dramatic. Please explain what that was.
1: In 2018, I was doing very well in business. Um, I had built up, uh, two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida. I introduced co-working to the, the Florida Marketplace, which is just shared office space for entrepreneurs. I think it's a simple way to say it. Office rentals. I like, think uh, executive suites, but more the modern version of that. And I had opened up uh, two separate locations. Uh, I had about 11,000 square feet um, under uh, uh, in lease that I, I was you know, uh, renting out, and I uh, did very well with that. So I had hundreds of clients, and uh, I had little small businesses, uh, entrepreneurs just starting out, and I had large enterprise clients. Like Uber uh, was a client of mine. Uh, Cisco was a client of mine. FedEx was a client of ours. Wow! Um, and they would book our meeting spaces, etc. So we were doing very well
2: mm-hmm.
1: to the point where I had automated the business exceptionally well. I had uh, my team running it. And I was working two hours a week. And that was a pretty cool setup. I love automating stuff and then uh, replacing my time, right? So I could get out of it. And I was collecting a nice check, uh, paycheck every week. And then I was goofing off and messing around with too many girls and just had too much time on my hand. At that point, though, as I was working two hours a week in that business and collecting that nice paycheck, I also realized that I was miserable on the inside again. And I was just going through the motions. I, I had early success when I was younger, and then I crashed and burned and lost my whole fortune. And here I was again. I built up a new business. I'm doing pretty well. I wasn't doing as well as the first one, but I was doing pretty well. I was comfortable. And comfortableness is such a dangerous place to be. Because it makes you indifferent to pursuing growth. And that's where I was. And I just remember this. There was that pain and that just dissatisfaction. I was just very dissatisfied in my life. And, and I had spoken to God in a just a quick little prayer. It was one of the best prayers of my life. And I said, God, um, I give you permission, right? Remove any obstacles that are blocking me from a deeper relationship with you. And then I added the dreadful part. I said, and use force if necessary. Because I know I'm stubborn. I know I resist. I know my personality. And I said that with a very authentic heart. And then I forgot about that. prayer. That's a prayer God answers. Two weeks later, out of nowhere, God made that business start failing. Really badly. Like all of a sudden, just like all the dials started going haywire. And everything was on automation. So it shouldn't have like everything was working two weeks ago and now it wasn't. So 10 of my off, uh, top office client renters, uh, they came to me within the same two week period and they all gave 30 days notice said, hey, we're moving out. Uh, and I went into like, what did we do wrong? What, how, how can we correct it? Right. What did they say? They said, nothing. It, we finally got our new building. We got our new space. We're outgrowing you guys. It's been amazing. Thank you. You got us through this difficult, whatever season of growth for us. Uh, we, we just hired 15 new employees, et cetera, right? So it was all these positive growth stories. Mm-hmm. We had done nothing wrong, but they all were happening at the same time with my 10 biggest office rentals. And that was my profit margin. Wow. And I watched my profit margin walk out the door. Literally, literally walk out the door. And I was like, what the bleep just happened. So now we were at break even. And I was like, okay, we'll have more renters come in because we, uh, I, I had really good Google, um, automation for local Google search. So the phone just rang off the hook and we had great SEO. Well, all of a sudden in the same two weeks, Brian, the phone stopped ringing for the first time in three and a half years. <laughs>
0: Unbelievable.
1: And I'm, I'm like, what? Okay, so now the back end of my business, I just lost my profit. Now the front end just shut off. I lost my leads. Well, that's disaster. That's a doomsday scenario for any business, right? Yeah. And there I was just kind of like in this freak out mode. And what do I do? So uh, I stepped back into the business full time. You know, I had investors involved. And they like, Joseph, you need to handle things. And I was like, all right, I got it. I know what to do and I'll I'll fix this. So I went from two hours a week back to 40 hours a week. And let me rebuild. Let me fix. I'm a fixer. I'm a performance guy. I can do this. And I did. And I stepped in and I started hiring. And I started interviewing. And uh, I was going to build up a sales team. Because I didn't want to do the selling anymore. Fast forward. Everyone that I hired, I was offering $50,000 a year to start in Tampa, Florida, plus commissions. That was a pretty good setup for Tampa. And Brian, for the life of me, I couldn't get anyone to show up for day one at work.
0: Really? You'd hire them and they wouldn't show up?
1: I hired them and they wouldn't show up. But after the interview, they were so grateful. Thank you for this opportunity, Mr. Warren. I can't wait to see you on Wednesday. Boom. Wednesday came, no show, no call. Wow. Person after person after person this happened. And I was like, what the bleep is going on? This is just extraordinary, this situation. I said a prayer and I said, God, if you want me out of this business, like I have 12 interviews set up for Friday. And I said, uh, I believe in specific prayers. If you want specific answers from God, ask, say specific prayers. Otherwise... We hear general answers from God because we ask him general type questions or vague questions. And then we blame him for not answering specifically, even though we asked a vague question. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay. So I asked a specific question or prayer. I said, God, if you want me out of this business, then Monday, I'm going to hire everybody on Friday that shows up for that interview. And I'm going to start them on Monday. Let zero of them show up on Monday. If zero of them show up on Monday, I know you do not want me in this business anymore. You don't want me to rebuild it. And I'm out hundred percent and I'll just wait on what you have next. for me. Well, that scared the heck out of me to pray that by the way. And then the other part was if one person shows up on Monday, God, I know that's a confirmation from you to rebuild this, this company all in with all my energy and figure it out. Friday came. I, uh, out of 12 interviews scheduled for 50,000 a year job plus commissions, one guy showed up for the interview,
0: one guy out of 12,
1: one guy out of 12, and I hired him and he declined the position because it was a sales job, even though the ad was a sales job and he just didn't make that (laughs)
0: connection. No connection. Okay.
1: And Brian, right there, I was like, wow, God just answered my prayer three days early." Mm -hmm. And I said, Father, I'm out. I walked out of that interview, and I walked over to my community manager who ran my whole operation. And I said, I can't explain it now, but you're in charge of the business. Call me for anything, but I need you to figure out everything. And she was just like, what? I'm not qualified for this. I can't do this. And I said, just figure it out. And Brian, that was the most difficult thing. I felt irresponsible. I felt I was quitting on my investors, my team. And I was like, I just have to answer to God. Not to man. I have to answer to God. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical, but this is an uncanny scenario. Mm -hmm. I feel his hand in it. I prayed that prayer. And he stripped this business for me. He stripped away my comfort because it was a distraction that was blocking me from his calling on my life. And I think so many of us are in that position.
0: So what happened next?
1: Well, what happened next was uh, the business continued to plummet. Uh, we went from break even to in the red, financially in the red and taking massive losses and a burn rate month over month uh, for the first time in those three and a half years. And I just watched from the outside. My investors came to me, sat me down and said, Joseph, you're not the man we thought you were. We thought you were a man of integrity. You claim to be a Christian. You're not doing the right thing here. You're not fixing things. You're not stepping in. You're tapping out. You're checking out.
0: How painful.
1: To be falsely accused.
0: Yeah.
1: Is suffering. But to know that you're moving in God's path. Like I had undeniable evidence that God wanted me out of the business. Yet here I was being falsely accused by good men, Christian men. That's saying they didn't get it because God's ways are higher than our ways. And I said, listen, I get that you all hate me right now. I get that this looks like I'm being irresponsible and unchristian and unjust. I get that. But here's the prayer. Here's what happened. What would you do in my situation? They went silent. They couldn't answer. And I said, this is one of the most difficult things for me. But I'm going to answer to God for the first time in my life, not to you. Not to my little control freak that wants desperately to take back control and rebuild this thing. Because I fix things. I rebuild things. I don't just sit back and watch things fall. I just don't. I'm not wired that way. So this is taking everything inside of me to resist taking back control. And I waited. And eventually what God did is he had us put the business up for sale. And you can imagine with a three-month track record at that point of being in the red financially, that was not a good prospect for a sale. No. Where months ago, any new, uh, we were a great prospect. I would have got, I would have sold for a great revenue, a nice buyout. And now three months later, when you're in the red for three months for no good reason, well, that turns away a lot of prospective buyers. And I had, I eventually, God brought one guy to us. He was a great guy, and uh, he said, "I want to buy your business because he saw it was gold." It was a goldmine. He saw the automation. He saw the track record over the past three and a half years of just high profits, high profits, and it was an automated system that worked. And for whatever reason, three months, you know, it just went down. And he asked me why. And I I didn't know if this guy was Christian or not. And I, I was just real in that meeting with a prospective buyer. And I said, listen, I prayed to God. I said this. God answered. Then the business started failing. You're about to buy gold right now and it's going to pay you like an ATM machine. And it sucks for me to let go of it because it's my baby, but God wants me out. So I wish you the best. And I sold that business for 10 cents on the dollar and put all my faith in God's providence with no plan. No, here's the next thing for you, Joseph. Just this empty vacuum. And I remember I was in tears multiple times. I was doing this, uh, this I had a tribe of people on Facebook and I was doing lives at this time teaching them how to get quiet with God and and I, I remember weeping on camera publicly with all these people I had over 900 people that joined me every morning uh you know on Facebook live and I was weeping saying surrendering to God sucks Whew. it sucks from our human perspective there is a dying process that's happening right now and it's my ego is dying i'm not but my ego is dying why because my identity is in that business my identity is in my success i'm a man my identity is in my income god just took it all and i i gave it but it freaking sucks temporarily
0: the business is now sold Yes. What happened after that?
1: I waited on God. And with no plan, uh, no light at the end of the tunnel. Just, do you trust me, son? And I kept doing my holy hours, my one hours with him. And that was the only thing that got me through that. That is clear to me. I just leaned further into that relationship, and it was a, a reckless abandonment of self. And that's not a, oh, look at me type story. Mm -hmm. That's what God calls every one of his children to do. Die to self. That's what Jesus called us to do. Die to self. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. What does that mean? It means crucify your ego. Hang it on a cross. Crucify your agenda. Crucify your little control freak so that i can take over your life i am god you are not it's time to to hang that guy up or hang that gal up and then become as uh, c.s lewis says to become little Jesuses. the only way you could become a little jesus is to remove your ego yourself out of the way so jesus can enter in and he fills you up and it's it's as St. Paul says, it's no longer I that live, but it's it's him that lives within me. And that's who people see within you. And it's his joy, his love, his peace, his forgiveness that takes over. And you now become a spiritual reservoir to those around you, your family, your spouse, your kids, etc. But first, you got to empty yourself. And there is a 100% dying process. I'm not going to skate around it. Mm-hmm. It's It sucks but it's short-term. Think of the three days, right, uh, in the tomb. And that was my three days in the tomb experience. It's a tomb. It's dark. There's no light. You think you're dead. And it's just waiting on God and his promises. And that's all I did. I just sat with him in silence. I journaled. I listened. And I, and I leaned into his biblical promises. And it, I know you won't abandon me, God, even though all my senses say that You have abandoned me.
0: Joseph, what happened after you sold the business?
1: After I sold the business, like signed on the dotted line. I have a picture of me in the conference room uh, just signing away the business 10 cents on the dollar just to capture that moment of just surrender and abandonment. And Brian, won't you know, it was like two days later after I signed. Without the new owner or my team, anybody, former team, touching anything, the phone started ringing again, people looking for office space, Uh, the community manager I put in charge of everything, and she swore she wasn't a sales gal, she didn't know how to close sales, and she she did not have the sales skill set. You're a sales guy. You know it takes a skill set to close deals she would take people on tours because they just started flooding in and she would talk them out of the sale like talk them out of it like pretty much you don't want this type thing or whatever and they're like no we want it here's my credit card how much let's go and they forced their credit cards on her and she started closing deals not trying to and i'm watching from the sidelines as the whole acquisition's happening and i'm watching the finances go from in the red to in the black to back into the profit to hitting an all-time profit I had never achieved in five years in that business. As I'm letting go and selling, God turned back on the faucet, the financial faucet and revenue faucet for that business. And I'm like, are you kidding me, God? Not only did you take my business, but now it's hitting all-time revenue highs? Like, this is insulting. How come I didn't get to experience that, that windfall? So that was, that was really difficult. Um, that was part of the tune, though. and uh, So that's how I knew. Those were the indicators that God's hand was in everything. I didn't understand it. I felt betrayed in a way. I felt, why should this new owner get all my earnings and all my profits that I worked for five years for? But I clearly knew God was in, in control now. So that was the indicator for me.
0: So what specific ways did this impact your life?
1: Well, I think uh, God says there's no greater love than to lay down your life for another or for the beloved. And God was asking me to lay down not my physical life, but my egotistical life, my ego, right? That self. And to die to that self. And, And so... It deepened my relationship with God mm-hmm. because I hit that that painful place of full surrender, total surrender of my plans and my schemes and letting go of that. So that was, that was one way, the specific way it deepened my relationship with God. The second specific way it impacted my life was I learned to stop taking back control and stop trying to do it my way because God clearly showed. When I did, things got worse.
0: You learned to stop taking control. So when you felt the desire to control, how did you stop that?
1: <laughs> I learned uh, to do what I call surrender prayers. And I teach this to my spiritual uh, life coaching clients. Feel that feeling of angst or anxiety or stress. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, something's going wrong, or, or I need to go fix it or jump on that. There's, there's an anxious feeling there. So I learned this to just do surrender prayers, and it looked like, Father, I surrender to you this need to control this thing right now that I have. I surrender to you this feeling of angst in me. I surrender to you this feeling of, of uh, anxiety and stress. I don't want it anymore. I give it to you. I give you permission to remove it from me in the name of Jesus.
0: Then do you you wait for the sense of surrender? What's the next thing after praying a prayer like that? Are you waiting for some kind of confirmation in your mind and heart and body? What does that look like, Joseph?
1: The old me would wait or look for stuff like that. The new me, uh, the surrendered version of me, uh, knows that God doesn't work on our timelines. And I learned that through that whole process. So it's take the action of surrender. So do the surrender prayer and then wait on the Lord. He, You're not always going to get that confirmation. You're not always going to feel like, oh, he's got it. I surrendered it. Now he's got it. It's an act of faith. It's an act of trust. So you surrender it and and then trust in his promises in the Bible. Actively read them. And I used to read them aloud, and I still do, right? When I'm having off days, I have my Bible verses, and I read them out loud with the spoken word to cancel out the lie of the enemy that he's put in in my mind that says, God, you can't trust him. He's going to fail you. You're going to fail. You're going to lose. You're going to lose it all. Everything's going to crash and burn. Pretty much it's the original lie of the enemy in the garden in Genesis. God is not a good father. You can't trust him. Trust you. You could be like God. You are a God. God doesn't want you to bite from the apple because he knows then you'll be like him. This is all little control freak talk. These are the lies of the enemy that we all have playing in our head like a recording. So how do you cancel out those lies that cause stress, anxiety, angst? Well, you read God's scripture in the, in the word, right? His word is your armor. It's your shield and your sword against the enemy. And I didn't know the simple, basic truth. But when I started to speak aloud God's word, for example, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Psalms, right? And I started to speak that out loud. My mind didn't believe it. But when you speak something out loud, it becomes real in, it manifests itself. We know this. So I started to speak God's truth and it would cancel out the enemy's lie and remove the feeling of anxiety, angst, worry, stress. And within a few minutes, the feelings were gone. And then I would just go about my day.
0: So it sounds like the ability to release this control gives God permission to do what he truly wants to do in your life. And he winds up pushing things forward, pulling things forward in the timing and the way he desires, as opposed to us trying to act like God and do it ourselves.
1: Brian, I think you just described the secret to Christianity. That is the secret to Christianity. That is what uh, I always thought to give my life to God, to surrender to God meant. I had to do all the work. Mm. I had to fix me. I had to heal me. When in fact, that's not God's story for, for his children. God's story for his children is all that we must do is to surrender to him. And when we do, and then let go and don't take back control and just trust in him, he then does all the work. He comes in and heals the childhood trauma if that's something we're looking for, which I needed desperately. I thought I needed to go to counseling. I needed to do all the self-help books. I did all those things. They didn't work. I still had deep woundedness and I was out hurting people because of it. But when I surrendered all those wounds to God, he went in and did heart surgery on me. I didn't know where to go. I can't hit all those, the dysfunction in me from childhood and, and bad relationships and broken relationships over a lifetime. God sees it in each of us. He goes in as a heart surgeon, but we need to choose him and give the surgeon permission to access our heart. That's what a surrender prayer does. It says, God, I give you permission to remove this thing in me that I know isn't working. I give you permission. Do whatever it takes. I get it's gonna hurt a little. I trust you. And when you do that, God comes in and he removes it, he fixes it, he clears it, and then his plan starts to activate in your life. And this is what you hear about when you hear, oh, this person has miracles happening in their life. You're like, how did they? I want miracles. Someone give me miracles. Right. Well, the reason why you're not experiencing miracles is because you're still trying to control the outcome of every situation in your life. You're trying to control every relationship in your life, including your your marriage, including with your kids, if you get like real about it, you'll see that you have some little dirty agenda at behind all of it of control. There's a little control freak happening in every every area of our lives that isn't working. And that's why it's not working. But you ask the question, look at any area of your life, is it working or is it not working? That's my simple question. It takes out all the blame. It takes out all the make wrong. Is it working or not working? And when you could say this area is not working, my porn addiction is not working in my marriage. It's hurting my spouse. Don't beat yourself up about it. But I've counseled guys through porn addiction, and they've had it since they were 13 years old. And on their in their own strength, they can't break free from it. There are clear chains there, shackles. The enemy's got them in prison. But doing simple surrender prayers, do you know that God finally set them free? after 20 or 30 years of porn addiction, Mm. because they gave it to him. And it was simply this, Father, I surrender to you my porn addiction. I don't want it anymore. It's too big for me. I give you permission to remove it from me. Use force if necessary. I want it out in the name of Jesus. And then believe that he will. And they did that. And then went about their business. Did they still fall into porn afterwards? Yes, they did. But God was now working behind the scenes on healing them. And weeks later, guess what? The desire to look at the porn started to lift itself. The chemical dysfunction started to lift itself. They didn't know how. They didn't do it. God was healing them from the inside out because they finally gave him permission. See, God will never trump our free will. He gives us two great gifts, life and free will. How we use our free will determines how our life goes. And until we give over our free will to God, our life looks like our plans and schemes. And normally is isn't working. It's struggle. It's, it's sorrow. It's misery. It's hurt. But when we give it over to God, then his, his plan takes over. And it's good. It's peace. It's hope. It's love. It's deep relationships. Sure, he's got to do heart surgery. Sure, there's a little work that has to happen. But it's short term. On the other side of it uh, is is all his glory. And that's what my life looks like now. You know, God, I was in broken dating relationships. I, I was hopeless that I would ever find a girl that loved me deeply in all my woundedness. And God brought that girl to me. I didn't have to go find her. He brought her to me. I'm now married. I have a beautiful baby. I'm married to the love of my life. You know, as the praise report, I just got signed with the number one Christian speaker agency in the world. Congrats. As an exclusive speaker. Thank you. And by this time next year, I'll be traveling the world with my wife and kid on stages doing what I absolutely love speaking about God's love and forgiveness, not God's wrath and condemnation like most of us are living in or that performance type of religion, faith dysfunction.
0: You know, as you're sharing all of this, I get this picture of a hub and spokes, and whatever the spoke is, name it, whether it's porn addiction, broken relationships, control, it all has the answer in the hub, which is letting go of control itself and trusting in God. Anybody who's listening to this right now, I would suspect you would agree, Joseph, that you fill in the blank with your challenge, and it will leads you to the hub jesus christ and what are you doing with him in your life so what i'd like to do is finish up here by asking you to pray for our
1: listeners heavenly father we thank you for this time together we thank you for the one person that's listening right now that needs to hear this message that needs to hear that there is freedom on the other side of surrender and not this the physical surrender that we run from as humans, Father. The giving up, the quitting, the white flag type of surrender. It's not that type of surrender you're asking for. You're asking for spiritual surrender. And spiritual surrender is a giving up of ourselves. It's a letting go of our ego, letting go of control over our lives, over our relationships. And giving it to you. The only one who's in control of all of it and during this pandemic father you have clearly shown your power you have stripped away from all of humanity our control you've removed the curtain and the, the scales the enemy has over our eyes that we're somehow in control of our lives it is clear it is evident that we are not so father we surrender to you that area of our life that you want most the area of our life that we've been holding back from you. And Father, our listener right now, there's one person listening. Father, your, your son or your daughter right now that has been waiting to hear these words, to have language to understand what's going on inside of them with you isn't working or, or why it, it's been stagnant or why it hasn't gone deeper. And there's a breakthrough that's about to happen in them, Father. And all they need to do is say these words out loud, Father. I surrender to you blank. And then fill in the blank. Father, I don't want it anymore. I give you permission to take it, to remove it from me. I give you permission in the name of Jesus. And then for them to believe that you will, Father, that you are a good Father. You are faithful. You love them deeply. So that's Brian and my wish and intention of this conversation is that you set free one of your children from this conversation father set them free free indeed and we ask this in the name of jesus amen
0: amen thank you joseph how can people find out more about you uh,
1: you can visit josephwarren.net that's my website if you want to lo- learn more about me as a speaker to come to your events and uh, if my message somehow resonated with you and you think I could do a good job at your church and people uh, need to hear God's message of love and compassion and freedom, then reach out to be there. Or if uh, you're interested somehow in life coaching and you need a good swift kick in the butt, I believe we all are missing two things um, that keep us from our goals and our dreams. The first thing is clarity, clarity to see. Uh, those blind spots in our life that are holding us back. And then accountability, the accountability to have someone who loves and cares about us enough to kick us in the butt and move us into action. You could jump on a free call with me. Just go to josephwarren.net. And then I, I have my podcast, right? So Broken Catholic is the number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. And I am really truly standing for God unifying all the Christian denominations, one church. One family of God. That's what Jesus came for. Father, that they may all be one, he said.
0: Okay. Thanks again, Joseph. Pleasure speaking with you. God bless you.
1: You too, Brian. God love you, brother.
0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.